Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. Hope all of you are doing great. I'm going to talk to Clay Ogden today. Clay it could be described as the ace of the strategic risk alternatives team, a risk management agency that strengthens businesses with an A31B plan. And of course, I also don't know what an A31B plan is, and that is what we'll try to decipher with Clay. He's a former professional golfer. Uh, and he was a Cana- uh, you know he was on Canadian uh, and mini tours he has done clay has nurtured many of his business relationships on the course and brings more than 12 years in risk mitigation to identify opportunities and consult with clients and representatives welcome clay thank you thanks for having me absolutely so uh, we start with this question with everyone Tell us something interesting or funny about yourself. And actually, I spilled the beans already saying that you are a former professional golfer. <laughs> so, of course, you can all, stay, uh, share one of those stories. <laughs> all good. Um, I, I did play professionally. I played collegiately at BYU, and then I played professionally for uh, about eight and a half years. Um, I have four daughters. Oh, wow. Uh, that's wow. a large part of yeah, that's that's something unique about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. BYU, I, I thought so. I was going to ask you. It has to be BYU if you are in Salt Lake area. <laughs> yeah, my I went to BYU. My wife went to Utah, and uh, we, you know, we live in that that slightly house divided on the, uh, I guess, on the the football and basketball side of things <laughs> right <laughs> so did you ever get chance to meet tiger woods or any of the big uh, players <laughs> I, I have yeah i've actually you know met met a number of very well-known professional golfers and uh it was it was an experience i wouldn't trade for anything um it's always interesting to me that everybody thinks it's such a glamorous <laughs> lifestyle uh it's really not <laughs> That's what everyone thinks of all the sports people, right? But right? it's not. <laughs> they are they are running around all the tours and then you know working hard, then continue to practice and whatnot. It's 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 hard. It, it, it just like everything else. It's yeah, uh, yeah. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of work, and it's it becomes a job. Yep, I just did half Ironman, so I I know what it takes now, right? <laughs> it's it wasn't easy. Continue to work hard for six months like crazy every morning 5 a.m. and then of course work during the day <laughs> so i can tell how difficult it is for those guys <laughs> oh yeah no that's uh that's impressive i i haven't done any you know triathlons or ironmans and that's uh it's super impressive yeah it, it, it was a stupid decision but somehow i made it <laughs> so that was my first triathlon ever and we thought okay why not ironman <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome good for you uh, uh, yeah so I, I i won't do it again at least for now <laughs> <laughs> you got your feeling huh uh, it's just i lost a lot of weight and it's you know a lot of people would get happy to lose weight and i was not supposed to so at yeah. this point i'm trying to gain which is hard yeah. actually <laughs> yeah i get it i get it <laughs> 
So let's talk about investment because this is an investment show. What do you personally invest in? Um, I mean, myself personally, it, you know, it ranges dramatically, but, um, you know, what, what we, what our focus is with a lot of business owners is, you know, this is them somewhat investing in their own business, right? right. I mean, it kind of becomes, you know, a lot of these strategies surrounding the 831B specifically are, you know, we, we help business owners focus on risk strategies and or things that they are already somewhat self-insuring. They're just not using uh, tax deferred dollars or they're not, they could be managing losses or risks more tax efficiently than they are. Um, and that's really what an 831B is. And that's, that's really, you know, the conversations we have with clients is like, you know, the last few years of COVID and everything is really, if it's taught us anything, it's that business owners have a lot of risk Yes. How we manage those risks, how we, you know, a, approach those from a pre-tax or after-tax dollar, um, is is a can become a game-changing investment in their in their own company. That that totally makes sense. You got to invest in your own business and your personal development as well, right? <clears throat> so uh, you mentioned tax-deferred dollars. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so what the 831B tax code is, what it what it is, you know, the program is that we do is it allows a business owner to take excess revenues, excess cash flow in the years that they the business owner has them available, set those dollars aside to now manage these uninsurable, uncommon, unforeseen types of risks that traditional insurance does not cover. These are all things that they are already paying for out of pocket, out of cash flow right now with after-tax money, right? And so the idea of these programs is to take those excess revenues in the years that they have the ability to have those excess cash flows, set those dollars aside to now manage all of these types of risks that traditional insurance does not cover. And now we're managing those with more tax advantage dollars, more deferred tax dollars, um, because inside of these types of programs, all the premiums that you contribute um, become tax deductible to the business in the year you contribute them to your 831B plan. And then we're going to issue policies for these various risks for the next 12 months uh, to help the business owner more efficiently manage those those potential risks. So I got a couple of questions for you. One, yeah. uh, one is what do you, and of course I kind of understand, but for my listeners, what do you yeah. mean by the risks which are not covered by insurance? Can you give us some examples? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the, some of the things that we talk about with clients all the time are going to be more of the, you know, when someone goes through an audit, when someone goes through, uh, has what a lot of people, you know, go through is have lawsuits brought against them, right? Oftentimes lawsuits are, uh, they're not covered by traditional insurance. It's something that I'm going to pay for to just make this this stupid thing go away, right? And so, I I lost I lost you on audio. Oh, sorry. So even oh, though even if you have errors and omissions or workman's comp, would that not cover if it's part of if in, it's related in a lot to of, any of those? In a lot of situations, it doesn't. Yeah, oh. yeah. So you know, some of some of the things we start to look at is you know we have. 
policies for brand and reputation damages. You know, a brand and a reputation can be impacted pretty nice. dramatically, especially in today's world with social media. <laughs> yes, it doesn't take too long. <laughs> it's not. I mean, true or not true, right? I mean, things can right. spread like wildfire. And a lot of the times, you know, maybe an employee or maybe a, a, a key employee or someone that's running the company does something, says something, it's taken out of context, or maybe it's maybe it is something that absolutely right. shouldn't have been said it i mean it can have a pretty dramatic impact on a business pretty quickly right now now it makes sense yeah. and uh, so it seems 831b plan is more like a 401k for business if i'm correct kind of trying to dump it down i mean right. if i mean we actually have a comparison sheet of that oh right? okay funny it's it's a it is you know a lot of the times we look at it like a 401k for a business it's a forced savings plan for a business, right? Uh, Most clients, you know, over the last 30, 40 years, they're they're working with their tax advisor, their CPA, and their their tax plan is I'm gonna go buy a new truck or a right. new piece of equipment to save on taxes. That's not a great that's not a great plan. That's not a great strategy because if and when, you know, let's say a 2008, 2009 comes up or COVID happens. Right. If you've had the ability and you've done well and you've had the extra cash flow to set dollars aside on given years to build a reserve fund or a war chest of funds to use for this. What if these things come up types of types of risks? You're now, again, kind of planning or betting on yourself and your own business that I'm I'm going to. I'm going to essentially use it as a 401k for my business. I'm going to set these dollars aside for the rainy day, for the what if, rather than just spend it to save, right? That's not a that's not a great plan. Right. So, and I think, of course, I have been told the same thing, right? That, oh yeah, buy a truck or something, you know, so that you can write it off. Yeah. But, and, and then my question was to my CPA at that point, I think this was a couple of years ago. I'm like, I don't need a new car. Right. It's a depreciating asset. You know, I would uh, rather invest in something like a real estate, which will pay me money. But yeah. if I need one, yes, it makes sense to write off. But a lot of time people are scrambling at the end of the year trying to buy something so they can yeah. write off. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that that's it, that kind of gets into, the, you know, a little bit different discussion. But if you're if you're spending, you know, a dollar to save a nickel like to, I mean, <laughs> exactly. what are we doing, right? when when you literally have the ability to, I mean, these are a lot of the risks that we talk to business owners about. Um, you know, we do a lot of like custom warranties and service contracts, and um, we have policies for things like political risk, you know, oh, government okay. bodies making decisions. And I think this was felt maybe more than anybody ever considered through 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had forced lockdowns and quarantines and businesses that were deemed non essential. Right. Uh, I mean, dramatic impact on businesses, and it was all outside of their own control, right? right. And business owners that had planned accordingly for those what-if scenarios, for these uninsurable types of risks, you know, a lot of our clients honestly felt like it was kind of a bump in, bump in the road. There were millions of small business owners that no longer exist. They're not in right. business because they live leveraged day to day they spend all the money that they make they're not really 
planning ahead. They're not saving dollars for the what if. And that, that's what we do. That's how we work with our clients is to really manage those types of what if scenarios. Do they happen often? No. But if they do, they're typically pretty painful. I agree. So Amaya, um, another question is, and, and we kind of tried to compare it to 401k, right? So, but in 401k's case, one, you are kicking the can down the road, right? Mm -hmm. and, the, yeah. and the second, it's still your savings fund. In 831b's case, do I have to contribute every year to continue that policy? Don't have to, no. In fact, it's it starts to be, you know, very much becomes a, if I have the excess revenues to contribute this year, you, you're now, it's kind of a luxury that you have the ability to buy these policies, set funds aside to now manage these risks more more efficient, more efficiently for that coming year, right? Um, that's a luxury that not every business owner has because not every, not every business has excess cash flow. Um, you know, I talk to business owners all the time that might do two, three, four, five million dollars in revenue, and they have excess funds to more, you know, to plan ahead. Right. It's not uncommon to talk to a 20, 30, 40 million dollar business a year and they may not that doesn't <laughs> have excess cash flow, right? They just right. don't. Right. Uh, for whatever reason. And so it's it's a luxury to be able to set those dollars aside and plan for those what if scenarios. Um it's really kind of comes down to from a planning standpoint all of the dollars that you're putting in are deductible in the year you contribute them. Okay. Inside of the 831B, when those policies expire, whatever funds you have remaining inside of that 831B, once those policies are no longer at risk, those dollars can be pulled out to the shareholders, the owners of the company, right? They can be taken back out as a long-term capital gain. They can be borrowed from. You know, you, there's borrowing parameters and what you can borrow and loan to yourself right. as the shareholder. Um, but, you know, the crux of this whole thing is really we're, we're now managing real risks that the business owner is going to pay for one way or the other. We're just now managing those risks with more, more you know, a more tax advantaged way. And, you know, if there's tax advantages that come along with it, great. But it really is a risk management strategy. <clears throat> so yeah my question next question was going to be is it like fsa where the you know money disappears at the end of the year but i think you answered that no it does no. not yeah i mean those dollars are going to be inside of the client's reinsurance company and if they want to invest those dollars within that within that 831b while they have the funds in there they absolutely can do that right we it can be in you know stocks bonds mutual funds etfs a lot of clients love real estate. They want to borrow the funds and go, you know, invest into um, whatever it is that they want that's more right. illiquid long-term types of investments. Once those policies expire, they now have the options to look at those. Um, you know, they're they're now running uh, in a roundabout way. They're running a an insurance company that they own, right, to now manage real risks that they're going to inevitably they're going to pay for one way or the other. Right. How we pay, how we manage those risks is, is up to them. So you answered my next question as well, that I was <laughs> going to ask you, can I invest this fund? So the, I cannot invest the funds while they are tied to a policy. 
once the policy expires, I can invest those ones. Liquid types of investments while the policies are in place is okay, right? Oh, so okay. we view liquid investments as stocks, stocks bonds, yeah. mutual funds, ETFs, yeah. um, you know, anything that's liquidable within two to three business days. More of those illiquid long-term types Realistic, of investments. Yeah. Once the policies expire, then they can, you know, look at those types of options. Got it. Uh, now that makes sense. And yeah. uh, while you are explaining this, I also remembered I had interviewed another guest, and they had spoken about captive insurance. How do, is eight thirty one B similar to captive insurance, or is very how similar? How do you compare? Actually. Okay. Yeah, very similar. Same same tax code. Um, both under the 831B. Um, captives can be used or 831Bs can be used for, you know, looking at traditional insurances, work comp, GL, commercial auto, umbrella, property, all that kind of stuff, right? If the premiums are high enough, it might make sense for that business owner. A lot of the times 831Bs or captives might be used for these more uncommon, uninsurable types of risks. Um, certain industries use them for their warranties or their service contracts, like the automotive world, the HVAC companies, the, you know, when you go buy a, a product at, you know, Costco or Walmart or something, and they sell you a protection plan, that's essentially a, a service contract or a warranty on that product. Uh, um, okay. it's very applicable in a, in a lot of different industries for a lot of different products. Um, so yes, very, very, very similar. Structure can vary, um, you know, from captives to reinsurance companies, but all going to be very similar under the 831B tax code. God, it makes sense yeah. now. Who is yeah. a good candidate for an 831B plan? Um, I, I, you know, that that question has evolved over the years for me. <laughs> it's it used to be, you know, based off of you know gross revenues and company size and all those typical answers, it really comes down to, you know, the client's obviously got to be doing X amount of gross revenues. I would say probably a million in gross revenue or more. Okay. Their operating company, I would say we have clients that are a million dollars gross revenue to a couple hundred million dollars gross revenues, but it all comes down to, do they have excess cash flow to set aside? Do they have excess funds that they can part with for you know a period of time to ensure these types of risks? And that's all not always a default yes or no. Right. right? We touched on that earlier that there's a lot of small to mid-market business owners that have nice margins and they have excess of funds. There's a lot of kind of medium-sized businesses that maybe they run super lean or they bought a ton of inventory or they just don't have the excess cash flow to set aside to now manage these types of risks. And so it really does come down to gross revenues of the company and or if they have excess cash flow. Got it. And I don't want to ask you a number, but I, I still want to. Uh, yeah. What would be the lowest amount of the cash flow someone should have to be able to insure the, you know, or get this kind of policy? Is it 30,000, it is 50,000 or 100,000. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mo I would say most most programs in our space, most captives, the client oftentimes needs to be able to set aside probably three, four, five, six hundred thousand in order to make oh, it wow. work. Okay, got it. Inside of our program, 
we typically tell someone, you know, if you can set aside seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars or more a year, it makes a lot of sense. It, you know, from a strictly from a net of fees standpoint right. on our side, <laughs> it makes sense, right? So, so yeah. if you take like let's say hundred grand, mm -hmm. when you compare it, you know how much taxes they would be saving versus how much how, how much they would be paying in fees. Yeah, and and honestly, it's it's gonna depend on, you know, what that client's individual right, tax risks as well. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of the time we're you know we're working with the client, the business owner, and their advisors or their CPA or the tax professionals, and kind of helping them see how this might be applicable to their business. You know, helping them understand what risks that they have that they're already bearing the the risk of is one thing. Making sure that it makes sense from a number standpoint is is a slightly different conversation for sure, but it's all all something that we talk about with with the client and their advisors. Now, now it makes sense. So uh, another question I had, because you mentioned COVID and we did see during COVID, there was a lot of struggle and, and a lot of businesses disappeared. How did 831B plans help businesses during COVID? And can you, if you have an example or two, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we had, we had clients that filed claims to pull funds back into their business, you know, for political events, for supply chain interruptions. There were a lot of them. Um, we had clients that filed, you know, claims for things like maybe lawsuits brought against them. Um, COVID related specifically, there were, there was a lot of business interruption, a lot of political risk. And a lot of the time they were kind of one leading to the other, right? We had clients in our program that were deemed as non-essential. They yeah. weren't closed for, you know, three, four, five, 10, 12 weeks. Um, we had clients that had contracts and were, you know, saying, hey, we, we will get this product to you on this date. Yeah. They were, the ships weren't coming in to Supply deliver chain, the product. Yeah. They missed their, you know, their deadlines on their contracts that they had signed. They were hit with penalties. Um, it's all those things that I think a lot of business owners oftentimes kind of overlook and think, yeah, that's, that's not really, it's never happened to me. Right. And so it's not a, it's not a concern or a real risk in their mind, but once it happens, if you haven't prepped for it, it's too late. Right. And so that's yes. why, I mean, those are the conversations we have. And it's a, it's a fun conversation oftentimes because a lot of the times the business owners, they don't know that this is something they could do. They, that is something that's out there to help them manage these things that they're, you know, they're going to pay for one way or the other. Can we make it more efficient and more realistic for them to pull funds back into the business to level those losses in cash flow if and when they occur? Absolutely. So another question I have is let's say I put in hundred grand or I took out hundred grand of cash flow and uh -huh. put it in the policy. My is my coverage limited to hundred grand or is the coverage is let's say five hundred grand or a million through the policy? Uh, you so you're talking policy limits, right? Yeah. So it so it kind of it kind of depends on the type of risk that we're looking at, right? If we're looking at like a warranty um, service contract, um, it might be limited to the amount that's set aside. Okay. If it's if it's a a pooled risk, you know we have to meet what's called a four part test. 
inside of the 831B. There's got to be a distribution of risk. It's got to be a transfer of risk. It's got to be fortuitous types of risk, right? These things that are happening by chance. And then the last one would be making sure that we're following the principles of insurance. In, in that four-part test, uh, that distribution of risk is if I have a, a reinsurance company or an 831B and you do as well, all of our other clients that have a specific policy, there may be two, three, four, or 500 insureds inside of this particular policy or risk pool. Uh, if I put funds in, now I'm going to have a higher limit of coverage based off of the amount of dollars that I've set aside, right? So that's, a, that's an extremely important piece that does legitimize that I might share in some minimal amount of your claim if and when you have a claim. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a trade-off that I'm making for being able to deduct the funds up front. And now I'm going to do what's called a distribution of risk and maybe sharing some claims unaffiliated to me, albeit at a very managed level, that that is something that is extremely important to take place. Got it. So so this is more like, you know, either it, it's it's related to how much money I put in or the pulled risk. It's not, the policy is not written by, let's say, MetLife or Nationwide or Pan Mutual. The policy is still just tied to my business, right? If I'm correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So that okay. So it's yep. it's it's similar to those Liberty well, Medical well, Share Plan or something like that, right? Yeah, and I'm speaking directly to more of those uninsurable types of risks, right? If it's used more for like the traditional work comp, GL, auto, that kind of stuff, there's still going to be that that Got it. known carrier in the background that's we're running the policies through. Got it. Okay. No, this was great. Anything else uh, we need to discuss or I forgot? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just think it's a, it's a fun conversation. I think it's good for a lot of people, a lot of business owners out there that may not know this exists. Um, is it an option for everyone? No, but it's a, it's a great planning tool for a lot of business owners that may not know it's an option, but it absolutely should be looked at as something that may or may not apply. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Clay, for sharing all the golden nuggets about 831B plan. Are you ready for fire round? Right. Would you be changing any business or investment strategy because of inflation or recession? <laughs> um, No. And it's actually, it's interesting you asked that question because I've heard a ton of business owners, a ton of clients over the last little bit ask, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this? Because yeah. they're they're concerned about cash, right? They need yeah. cash on hand, and building being able to potentially build cash inside of a program like this is is uh, very doable. Great, favorite so. uh, favorite investment, real estate, finance, or related book. Ooh, um, I don't know. I don't know if I can pick one. I have, I have quite a few that I really like. Um, I don't know if it's really a. Personal a, development uh, is fine too. Self-help. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I, I actually just, I just read through, uh, I, I'm actually blanking on the title at the moment. Um, when you're, when you're, God, what right. is that book? It's a Dale Carnegie book. Oh, uh, how to win and influence. How to. Yes. Yeah. How to how to yeah I can't remember the the actual title of it though yeah 
now I'm blanking as well, but I have, it's yeah. a great book. I, I love that book. I thought yes. it was awesome. Any tool or website you recommend or you cannot live without? Uh, my phone. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, no, I'm, but uh, scan. <laughs> I'm on the phone 24-7, it feels yeah. like. Copying, you know, business, friends, etc. If I, uh, I don't know what I did before my iPhone. Of course. <laughs> That's why it's called iPhone, right? It's in front of right? our eyes. <laughs> right. Any advice for beginner investors? Um, yeah, do your research. Do your due diligence. I think I think a lot of people tend to think that uh they see somebody or they heard a story about someone that was successful in something and they think it's easy. It's right. not. So it's... I think I think doing your due diligence and doing your research and anything is extremely important. I agree. How do you give back? Um, you know, we actually, we are involved, uh, in a lot of different, uh, service, a lot of different, um, I guess, philanthropy type groups, uh, a lot of, you know, there, there there's a lot of different, uh, we actually formed a committee this, this last few years and, uh, look for opportunities to give back to, to those around us in different foundations and different items. So it's, it's definitely something we we really like to do because uh, it, it's important. It's it's it makes you feel good. One, and there's a lot of people out there that honestly just have had a, a bit of a rough go and and need a little need a little love. I agree. How can my listeners reach out to you? Uh, they can find us on our website at eight three one b dot com. That's easy to remember, 831b.com. <laughs> Thank you so much, Clay, for your time. Thanks, sir. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.